Clap off the clapper. All right. You boys ready to do the Always. thing that we call radio? No. <laughs> no. We're on like the, the obscure AM channel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're like the one station that comes in at like 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the worst quality, but you can get it anywhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. So It's like 590 a.m. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something terrible. We're like. I don't know, was this applies to you guys? My dad always have like a terrible AM channel that we listen to on the way to the dump on Saturday mornings. Like that's that's obscurely on the way to the dump. Of. Yeah, yeah, I do. They, <laughs> what is it's that? the only time? I don't know. Always. But anyhow, all right. I guess we, uh, I guess we are recording, so we should probably do this show. Yeah, probably. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gems of History podcast. I, as always, am your host Jacob Shop, and joining me today we have Evan Roosh. Hey, everybody. What's happening? Hey! <laughs> he was so caught off guard being second. I wanted I you to it. go first this time so you couldn't or, be I mean, influenced. You know, going first, yeah. Take that, Mark. Hey, let's get it. Either way, I am here also, and hey. I am fired up. <laughs> yes, we also have Mark Steinbrenner with us today, as usual. So, yep. welcome back to another episode, everybody. I uh, hope you're all doing well. How are you guys doing today? F, you got to keep going first now. Oh man, I'm not ready for this amount He's of pressure. Under the gun always. Yeah, <laughs> Putting you yeah, under I'm the gun. doing. I'm doing good. Didn't have any uh, neighborhood kids causing any ruckus. That's good. This week, no snow uh, to do it. Yeah, no. He's snow just to doing do straight it. up stones now. <laughs> yeah. He's upgraded. He's picking up stones like from my yard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm doing good. Good, good. Mark, how are you? Uh quite well. Quite well. Good. I'm. I'm doing well right now because. Uh, I got to take my car in on Monday, and I, so I don't know yet what that's going to cost me. Ooh. So next week, I might not be doing so hot. What's but... wrong with it? <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? Please don't be the computer. Please don't be the computer. Please don't be the computer. Yeah. Um. First thing you need to know about me, I'm a car guy through and through. <laughs> so let me just tell you, my car is making a weird noise. All right. Uh, and that's a joke, people. I, I don't know enough about cars to tell you what's wrong with my vehicle. But it's also just... uh. It's got like a sus- suspension issue of some kind. Oh, okay. But on top of that, it just it hit 30,000 miles, so it's got to go in for like some random stuff. Oh, checkup. Yeah. Mm, I see. Got to get that 30,000 mile like physical. Pretty much, yeah. It doesn't want to go, but it's got to. Got to make it. Yeah. It's your child now. You have to take care of it. Are you ready for this responsibility, Mark? Nope. I got commitment issues. I'm out. <laughs> well, anyone want a car? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are you guys ready for another round of trivia? Oh, my. I had it. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, good. I'm very ready for this round of trivia. Oh, well, you have your Whoa. you have your sheet prepared he's, he's, in front he's, of you. He's got so it so I, aggressively oh, looking at He's got to go first. Please. Yeah, he has to. Yeah. Sir, a sheet? I have an entire notebook filled. I did some... <laughs> Oh, so this episode's just Evan trivia. Oh yeah, I just got like a ton of notes because I know one of these days you two will take one of mine just because they're all batshit crazy <laughs> all right what you but got you want me to go first yeah go for it <clears throat> so in 1386 this animal was arrested stood trial and hung by the neck till death after attacking a child who would later die from his wounds was it a a pig b a goat c a baby cow or d a rooster all right, run, run the uh, main question by me one more time. So, in 1386, this animal was arrested, stood trial, and hung by the neck till death 
in France after attacking a child who would later die from his wounds. Was it a fair trial? And did he have good representation? Uh, that's a preposterous part because we're talking about just barn animals. Um, I'm <laughs> not. We are not privy to the notes of, of the trial, or yeah. there's not even a sketch. There the was farmers no court union stenographer there. No, there's no court stenographer. <laughs> the farmers imagine? union really needed a win here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the uh, the attorney is like, I call to the stand. The animal. <laughs> and it's just like oink oink. Or I'm imagining caca. like one of those like courtroom art, like sketch artists, just drawing like a, a chicken on the stand. <laughs> I'm gonna go A though. I'm gonna say pig. Pig. Okay. And Mark. Okay, I gotta be real. The most logical, barring like some mad cow disease or something going on, is a ro- those things. Roosters sound mm. aggressive. They or, have sharp they seem talons. Aggressive. I'm. <laughs> they have especially sharp talons, yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go D rooster. The correct answer was A pig. Oh, yes. Man, I guess so, I'm just a fool. A pig in France actually was arrested by the local government, stood a full trial, and then hung by the neck until death, which is just a terrifying image. But the funny image is a court hearing with a pig, like on the witness stand. That is very funny. I think they uh, probably ate pretty well after the hanging. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> tremendous! I think bacon. the funniest part about this for me is the fact that I'm thinking about this as like a modern courtroom. So I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> like the whole stand and everything looks like it is today, but in reality, it was probably just like the town and the meeting in the square. Yeah. Like we're gonna I mean, hang this pig. I don't know what year this was, but I just picture a bunch of like white wigs and stuff. It's like 13, 1386. But I'm also just picturing like lawn lawn order like SVU or something with this pig. Like dun 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 yeah. dun, dun, dun You see like them with the blue just... coats with the yellow lettering coming in, like crime scene <laughs> investigator. It would have been awesome if the pig just suffered. Gets... <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, uh, who's the uh Oh, is it iced tea? Yeah. yeah. Some, for some reason, iced tea is there with like a powdered wig. Like and someone's teaching him like So what are you telling me? How to die? <laughs> And I'm picturing like I'm picturing like uh like gloves that they yeah. like bring it and they're like, do they fit? Try it on the pig. They put it on the like pig's like hooves or whatever, and they're too tight, the pig gets off. The pig's just cleared. I oh, thought you were gonna say you're picturing like crime scene investigators with gloves on and stuff, like taking evidence and like. Well, that bags would be really stuff. funny too. But I, <laughs> I'm just picturing at the trial they call like the pig to the stand to try the gloves on. Its hoof is a little swollen, yeah. so it doesn't fit. It's just oh like my. I guess it's innocent. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow. I love doing this podcast so much. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, I'll go next if that's cool with you, Marky Mark. I'm uh, I'm okay with that. All right, boys. So, my question, the Malleus Maleficarum is a centuries-old handbook for blank. A, raising the dead. B, summoning a demon. C, hunting witches. Or D, identifying evil spirits. Well, the only handbook I know about is Ned's Declassified School Survivor Survival Guide. <laughs> Yes, so, and that wasn't a on very the, good handbook. That, that wasn't on the uh, the list, so no. I'm I'm in trouble. Oh boy, um, can you run through the options again? Yeah, you want me to read the question and? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us okay. one more run by. Mm-hmm. The Malleus Maleficarum is a centuries-old handbook for blank: a) raising the dead, b) 
summoning a demon, C, hunting witches, or D, identifying evil spirits? You know Those what? are really good answers. I'm going to go with C, because in the last episode we talked about Scooby-Doo and the witch movie, which I'm forgetting the name of it again. Which is Ghost. Thank you. So I'm going with C. Okay. I don't know why. I'm just feeling A. I'm feeling a little resurrection from the dead. Just just a little sprinkle of resurrection. Yeah, just a little bit of it. Yeah. The correct answer is C. Let's wow. go. I guess I just got to follow these guys. <laughs> It's like when you go to the restaurant and somebody orders something you really want, but out of decency for the guy to order something else. I feel like that's what's happening to me right now. <laughs> so the Malleus Maleficarum was written in Germany in 1486 by Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer. And it is also known as the Hammer of Witches in English, which is a pretty badass name. That is such a strong name. But... Yeah, it's uh, basically the best-known handbook on how to find a witch and how to best judge the witch to like figure out if they actually are practicing witchcraft or not. Is this available online? Uh, probably. Because I would love yeah, to do is. an episode where we just kind of read that book and, you know, giggle. But yeah, this is where they get a lot of those trial like aspects where oh. oh if she does this she's a witch or like if she writes with her left hand she's a witch or something stupid like that so this is responsible for the deaths of probably hundreds to thousands of women what <laughs> also men. floats <laughs> oh very small rocks <laughs> you, i assume I oh yeah, 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 yeah the funny thing is that that's come out or come up in our podcast multiple times oh, i yeah. heard it in the uh Keys in podcast. Yep. That's just funny how often that comes up. But yeah. All right, Mark. Oh, that's right. I gotta See go what too. you got. Okay. What is the most consumed liquor in the world? Whiskey? Baju? Bless you. Vodka? <laughs> or tequila? Vodka. Yeah, we're on that too. Okay, if it's Baju, that's I'm... what I thought it was. It is Baju, which really? is weird. It's this, and I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, almost guaranteed. But it's this Chinese liquor that is primarily, I mean, it's their favorite liquor there in China, and because of their population, mm-hmm. it is like the most consumed liquor. And again, I'm talking liquor here, not just alcoholic <laughs> beverage, because beer would win otherwise. But uh, yeah, and they're looking into now. And not too long exporting this drink that is supposedly so po- popular there that they want to export it. Oh, so you can only drink it there? I guess so right now. Or at least it's only mostly available there. Okay. So. Well, that's kind of what my reasoning was behind vodka. It's like, while well, the Russians drink it, Russia's huge. Gotta be that. Well, and I, I actually, when I, you know, I, liked it, I thought it was going to be vodka also. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. Depending on how you type in the question in, let's just say, Google, for example... The results are a little obscure, so I you could change what I said a little bit, and all of a sudden it's a different answer. So, do like, you do you know what baju is? Like what kind of? It's uh, I actually have it pulled up here in case somebody asks. <laughs> but uh... nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was. That was amazing. Scrolling, scrolling, and... <laughs> the problem is... Nope. I'm, <laughs> nope. I 
else in my phone than the wrong article. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. It uh, it really let me down. Oh, yeah, I, I thought about say. Russia too, but then after I answered, I kind of remembered how uninhabitable a lot of Russia is. So people forget. Yeah, it's huge, but only certain parts of it have a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas China has a ton of people like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mark comes in out of nowhere. And doesn't say anything. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. I feel like I have something worth saying here. Okay. <laughs> Baj- we, we were wondering how we were going to fill time today. <laughs> Baju, or whatever it's called. Not to be confused with or no. What a disaster. <laughs> I guess it's a, a fermented sorghum. Okay. A common cereal crop, uh, but is interesting. But anyway, this drink is this is largely unknown outside of China. I definitely didn't know about it. And a strong alcoholic content, typically fifty percent or more. So they, uh, maybe they don't remember drinking it either. I guess that's <laughs> anyway. why it was so hard to find. No one knows what it is. They're all too drunk. <laughs> yeah, no one knows the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> What's in this thing? I don't really care, but let's put some more down in Does our bodies. Does it matter? Yeah. So, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah. Oh. I was going to say it just because it's the only standout in the yeah. answer list. <laughs> but, like, I know one of us is going to do that, and then it's not going to be that. So. Yeah. But. Interesting. Hmm. We got to get some baju so we can take shots for trivia now. To be real, too, you probably could get it. You probably could get it somewhere Mm -hmm. or somehow, but I think not enough people know about it to like find out how they could acquire some. If we ever start like a YouTube channel for this, we just start brewing baju. (laughs) That'd be tight. That would be. Have you guys ever had Japanese whiskey? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's tremendous. There was this bar in uh, Miami that just had Japanese beverages, or like, well. Probably some others, probably, but but largely Japanese beverages. It was so cool, but I didn't know what I was ordering at the time. So well, it doesn't matter. A little at that risky. Point. Uh, you did the classic like touristy move, like just take the menu in your hand and point. And be like, yeah, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to say. I, mean, I would do the same exact thing. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, today is another group topic, so I'm looking forward to it. Evan is going to be kind of our lead man for this one and take us on a journey through time, and we're going to discuss some of the dumbest wars in history. Yes, I'm super excited for this topic because like, when we first started doing this, it's almost like the first thing that kind of popped in my head. Like, What are some of the stupidest reasons, stupid slash evil slash hilarious reasons that humans have engaged in warfare? Like there are some, you know, quote unquote, good reasons to go to war, um, but then there's these. Yeah, I researched a couple more in depth because Evan had sent us a few lists of wars beforehand, and uh, I researched a couple of them more in depth, and it's just so insane how things like this can start into something that could potentially cause an international conflict. It's legit one did yeah it's so saw the deaths of millions uh, it's like just for one thing but yeah it's it's crazy so we're gonna do that we're gonna go through this list and then what i want to do at the end uh myself and the guys are gonna go through kind of our top four of what we think are the silliest wars or wackiest wars 
and then on Twitter and Instagram, you all will be able to vote on which ones that you think will be the wackiest ones. So be on the lookout for that on our Twitter and Instagram channels <laughs> at Gems of History on both. Yeah, so you guys can do a little March Madness tournament bracket of the dumbest wars. How did I not say bracket? I'm the dumbest boy <laughs> in school. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really excited because this is going to be a, a pretty fun one. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you got to start us off with? So to start us out, we have the War of the Oaken Buckets. This happened in 1325, and it features two Italian states, Bologna and Modena, who were 31 miles away from each other. And in this war, approximately 2,000 people died. Oh, boy. Now, essentially, this war was a proxy war between the supporters of the Holy Roman Empire and the Papacy. And then, Now, these two giant organizations, the Holy Roman Empire and the Papacy, were going back and forth for hundreds of years, uh, starting with Frederick Barbarossa II. Uh, in 1125, he actually invaded Italy to essentially take it over, to essentially kind of take over Christianity. But he was stopped by the Papal League, or no, excuse me, the Lombard League. So keep in mind, this is 200 years beforehand, before the events of this war took place. So these two city-states, Bologna and, and I know I'm probably saying that right, Bologna and Modena, were kind of on the separate sides. So I believe one was on the side of the Holy Roman Empire, and the other was on the side of the papacy for who should have kind of that supreme control of Europe and kind of the empire as a whole. I'm pretty sure both those are pretty big cities, at least nowadays, yes. over in mm-hmm. that part of the world. So that's two pretty large sides opposing one another. Oh, yeah. Now, these two cities, essentially they're city-states. So, I mean, there was no unified Italian government. It was that city-state structure, which we see all over the world uh, at different times. Um. Basically, they were at war ever since uh, the 1100s when Frederick Barbarossa kind of invaded. And it wasn't a serious war, quote-unquote, because essentially all they would do was, you know, one would capture a county and then another one would recapture that county, like those border counties. And that just went on and on for like 200 years until Modenese soldiers snuck into Blagna. And in the town center was the main well next to the San Felice Gate. And beside it rested a large bucket filled with Modenese loot. So, unable to resist, the soldiers stole the bucket and its contents and then proudly displayed it in Modena. (laughs) So, essentially, they snuck in, saw stuff that was their own, took it back, and hung it out to display on their city walls. So they were basically just like, hey, you guys aren't very good at protecting the stuff you stole from us. (laughs) Exactly. However, Furious Bologna demanded the return of the bucket and the loot because essentially finders keepers get lost. The Modenese obviously refused and Bologna declared war. Now, everything up to that point was essentially just child's play because Pope John Twenty-Third himself led a... It's a lot of Johns. I'm killing these pronunciations, but Blogny's army of 30,000 foot soldiers and 2,000 knights on horseback. He led them against a Modenese army of 5,000 
foot soldiers and 2,000 mountain knights. So essentially it's 32,000 versus 7,000. That's a lot of people for a bucket. <laughs> for an oaken, like an oak bucket. Like I'm pretty sure I could make an oak bucket. Probably. I'm the least crafty person. Are you about to pipe in with a no, you couldn't? <laughs> no, I was going to say we should probably ask Liza ahead of time if there's any holes in that bucket. Oh my oh gosh. <laughs> dear Liza, dear Liza. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be stuck in my... <laughs> and we're on the and first war. And the tree and the tree and the log. And <laughs> oh, the no. <laughs> That's what I just thought. Nice. And for us this episode, sing-along edition. <laughs> <laughs> so, despite having inferior forces, the Modanese had a lopsided victory against their Bolognese enemies in defense of this bucket because they woke up early in the dawn and surprised the bigger army at the Battle of Zappolino. Well, and the other army was just throwing slices of meat at them. So. <laughs> right, they were just having bologna fights. <laughs> like some over the fire, some plain, some it with white, some with rye. <laughs> it's so far. Right. <laughs> Someone had to make it eventually. Oh, yeah. But... Anyway, the results of this first war, the bucket remains in Modenina. The original one decayed because it was made out of oak. Well, it didn't decay. It is in a, I forget where it is, but still in Modena. But there's actually two now. One, like, replica bucket that hangs, like, in their town square. Kind of like a big middle finger to, yeah. the, <laughs> to the other city-state. And the other one is kept more... Kind of more in the, um, what am I thinking of? To be preserved somewhere. Yeah, yeah, like kind of environmentally preserved. Sure. But anyway, our first war in the series was started because some guys took back their own bucket. Nice. Gotta take a stand. Good start. Right? <laughs> no one, like that's like today, if someone took my Halloween candy, I'd be freaking pissed. Starts with the bucket, ends with my house. I can't let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Starts with a bucket next. They're stealing your girl. Oh, whoa. I'm just picturing that kid that was fucking <laughs> snowballs. Oh, no. The kid, he, like, he it's just Halloween. walks into your house, takes your girlfriend, and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking he steals my candy on Halloween, but that too. Oh, <laughs> that's where it starts is the candy. That's where it starts. Like, where does it stop? Oh, man. Wow, I just had the craziest idea ever. Let's hear it. No, it, it makes no sense why this came up. But Evan just said, like, the Halloween takes all this candy. I was just thinking, you know those Halloween uh, bins where, like, there's the fake can that, like, yeah. comes down as you grab the candy? Okay, weirdest idea ever. Underneath your stairs or your patio in the front, you have, like, a hole cut out, and you can actually, from your basement, stick your real hand <laughs> into the bucket. And instead of just like slapping down something, you like grab hold of them. It's like a real physical. Want to drag them down to yeah. hell? <laughs> no, no, but like, can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Like, oh, this hand is like super strong. Anyway, my how did I go there? Hand. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, my strong hand. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, so, ready to move on to the next one? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, let's go. So, I'm going to go in chronological order here. So, <clears throat> the last one was in 1325. This next one, which is called The War of Jenkins' Ear, took place in 1731. And now we have our first uh, introduction of the British in this list, which you'll find the British are just (laughs) the culprits and the masterminds behind a majority of these just 
stupid reasons of going to war, like yeah, having of, a battle. One of the ones that I researched is the British and the Americans, both who have gone to war for oh yeah, little to nothing sometimes. So. Something you can discern from some of these is some of these are clearly going to war because of what happened. And other ones, they're using what happened as an excuse. Oh, yeah. That's a majority of yeah. them, I so, would say. But I mean, there's like a distinction between a few of them where, like, the event caused what happened versus what happened was just an excuse for something that was going to happen anyway. Oh, absolutely. Like, a lot of these, the relationships between the countries, the two parties just got to such a boiling point that just the littlest thing set it off. Yeah. But anyway, the War of Jenkins' Ear took place in 1731. And the story behind it goes, a British trader or a British captain named Robert Jenkins was stopped by Spanish authorities and accused of smuggling. The Spaniard seized his entire cargo and, for whatever reason, cut off his ear. That was a popular thing around that time period for uh, especially pirates. They would do that a lot. Uh, sometimes captains for crewmates that would misbehave or try and like take a disproportionate amount of the loot that they had, they would cut off body parts. And really, there was one whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but he would cut off people's noses and ears a lot of the time just to prove a point or just because he wanted to, because he was a sadist. So stuff like that wasn't that uncommon, honestly. So when you see it in like pirates of the Caribbean, the movies where the guy has the glass eye, like, that was could have been a punishment from a captain or something like that, theoretically. But huh. yeah. I had no idea in all the research I did, it was like, Yeah, this kinda of felt like cutting off his ear. <laughs> I don't know if that's what <laughs> well, happened. No, here, I'm sure but that's like, kind of what it yeah. is. So But anyway, up to this point, relations between the British and Spain we just talked about like kind of boiling point. They weren't great between the two countries just because it was the time of setting up colonies, of colonialism. So they were trying to grab as much land and basically have any excuse to take the other's land for whatever reason, engage in warfare. So I mentioned that the incident happened in 1731 where Jenkins got his ear cut off. Eight years later, in 1739, Britain became essentially bored of not shooting the Spanish. So to provide a reason to go to war, Parliament decided that because Jenkins lost his ear eight years earlier, they wanted to go to war with the Spanish. <laughs> Can't tell you how many times that I've gotten bored of not shooting the Spanish, you know? I know, just I mean... all the time. Ugh. Especially just on the high tides of the Caribbean. The urge just kicks in and... You know who's always a loser in these stories? Whoever had the bad thing happen to them. <laughs> right. So Jenkins is like, guys, I don't care. It was eight years ago. I'm on with my life. Yeah. I, I don't know what he's It's like, I know, like, wearing sunglasses is kind of a pain in the ass now, but <laughs> I'm over it, guys. I know yeah. there's another one on this list called the Pastry War, and that's pretty much what happens in that one, too. So. Yep. <laughs> so, essentially, the war was kind of fought half-heartedly over a couple of years, with the two nations occasionally fighting one another in the Caribbean and on the South American coast. However, the reason why this kind of gets brought up, Europe at this time, as it typically is, was a huge mess of alliances and people making treaties with each other. Like if we get into war, you have to go to war with us essentially. Like if you kind of remember World War One, that was a huge reason why that essentially happened. So the War of Jenkins' Ear actually eventually led to the War of Austrian Succession, which became an all-continent explosion. 
The War of Austrian Succession, an estimated half a million people died in that war, again, all over Europe, different countries involved. And that war actually segued into the Seven Years' War, which, if you guys recall, was actually, like, essentially the first truly global conflict in Earth history. And approximately one and a quarter million people died in that war. And Britain actually came out on top and essentially became that world power. Yeah, I think for the time period, it's even more substantial. I mean, because obviously the world population wasn't as large as it is today. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty crazy. And then didn't a lot of those people die from disease versus anything else? Yeah, a lot of in the uh, in the War of Jenkins' ear, essentially, a lot of them did mostly die from disease. Yeah, that I mean, it's all bad ways to go, but it sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like no one likes to be sick. So the kind of root of this story, because this guy's ear was cut off, close to two million people around the world died, and this set the foundation for the British Empire, which ruled for hundreds and hundreds of years after in places like India. I mean, of course, the United States until 1776. Shout out George Washington. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the gist of the War of Jenkins' ear. Yeah, I just have a feeling Jenkins was just like, you guys are putting my name on something that I was not, not endorsing. Yeah, because it's so clear that they were just looking for a reason. Yeah. They would have picked, let's say the Jenkins ear thing never actually happened. They would have just found the next guy who had something obscure happen to him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to think about it as like these great wars or like this, it's terrible, but all these massive amounts of death happened because of something so ironic, like this guy's ear being chopped off. But I mean, it would just be something else oh, if it yeah. wasn't him, which is also disappointing, but. But I'm just picturing Jenkins because he was in Parliament and he showed his ear off to Parliament. <laughs> showed it off. Like- so I'm just picturing like these, I think it was still like lords. I just want to think congressmen. Like these representatives of the English people are like trying to talk to him. He's just like, eh? <laughs> He's like, what? War? No, well, I'm pretty. They cut his like, ear off. They didn't like destroy no, his eardrum from right, what I like, can do. No, my ear is very sore. What you want us to go to war? <laughs> that would be pretty, uh, pretty funny. Something that I'm reading right now on this is uh, this actually was like a huge conflict in the Florida and Georgia area. Oh yeah, and, Florida uh, Georgia line. I darn you. That's actually pretty much what this is. They solidified the line between the British forces and the U.S. territory because really? yeah, Georgia was fighting to keep pretty much their existence against the British and pushed them back in that area. It says uh, a man named Oglethorpe, uh, General James Oglethorpe. So that was Something the like one he him. he pretty much went to go against the Spanish to like push them back out and mm-hmm. keep them or keep the line. So pretty crazy how this affects Dude, like the entirety of history. <laughs> history is so cool. I don't get like how people don't listen to this podcast or any history podcast. Like it's so neat. The way everything ties together is just it's, it's so to hear those little things that you never would have heard before that helped to shape a large portion of a country like that. Pretty crazy. I mean, it eventually probably would have come under our control anyways, but the way that it is formed maybe it would be different or maybe Florida and Georgia would have combined into a larger state. Who knows? Yeah. So oh, like with that, the Louisiana purchase, like eventually we probably would have gotten that land, but essentially we just swiped it off of France. Like, right. 
in the greatest trade of all time. But anyway, the next war that we have, and Jacob, I'm going to defer to you a little bit. I can tell the story if you want, yeah. if you want to pipe in or whatever. Uh, the next story we have is the Kettle War. Oh, I'm so excited. This one's <clears throat> so funny. So, in, and of course, like, feel free to jump in whenever. So in 1784, the Kettle War happens, and give you some background to that. For more than a century, the Northern Netherlands was an independent republic. And the southern Netherlands was dominated by the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, so basically the Netherlands as a whole before it split was basically just like those Germanic lowlands. And nowadays we would know southern or northern Netherlands nowadays would just be the Netherlands. And southern Netherlands is now what we would consider Belgium and Germany in that area. So that's the area that we'll be talking about when we refer to North and South Netherlands in this part. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. I no, you're good. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So one day in 1784, the Holy Roman emperor decided that he wanted ports in the South to open trade via the river Scheldt, which was cut off by the North and had been for the last a hundred years. Yeah. So basically the whole of the Netherlands was originally owned by Spain before it split, and Spain was under the control of the Holy Roman Empire. So it was a proxy ownership by Spain in this area, and eventually the Dutch were like, you know, we want to be our own country. We don't want to be controlled by Spain anymore. So they revolted in 1564 or 1568, and for 80 years they battled back and forth, and no one really gained an inch either way. So they eventually just said, this is pointless, and we'll give you the northern half, which became what is now known as the Netherlands, and that's what the north and south split happened. And then with the north owning the mouth of that Scheldt River, it prevented a lot of trading ships from coming down to the southern part because the north had blockaded it to where the split happened. So without that access through that river, a lot of those ports in the southern area couldn't get the trade ships in. And Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II was like, nah, we're not letting this happen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, like Jacob mentioned, the Holy Roman Emperor sent a group of ships to the river's opening, including the latest and greatest in shipbuilding technology, the flagship Le Louis. Now, Jay, I don't know if you have any information why that ship was so special. I couldn't, I didn't see any. From what I could gather, it was just a more modernized ship and had more gun ports on it and was generally just larger. So that's the only reason it was the flagship. Think like the East India Trading Company from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like that's what I'm going to compare a lot of this to because that's the time frame of this kind of story. Just think like those large ships with huge cannon ports on either side. It's, it's. I assume it was something similar to that, and then he sent two other ships with it as kind of an escort party. Mm-hmm. So definitely proved to be a good design, didn't it? Oh yeah. So the powerful flagship, as long as well as the other two ships. <laughs> Quotations around that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch the quotations. Around powerful, or for the ship, because well, I'm foreshadowing a little bit. Ah foreshadowing yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
have a very sad script. <laughs> <laughs> you threw me off. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. Go ahead. No, it's I'm, a group thing, so I'm totally just jump in wherever. I'm totally kidding. So, they were met by a single Dutch ship, the Dolphin, which fired one shot straight at Le <laughs> Louise. It literally means the Dolphin. That's what the ship was called. Yeah. <laughs> It's just Belle Delphine, like, dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And then all the... (laughs) They run into each other. They cry. I I couldn't focus. I I couldn't drive this thing. That's how they stopped the war. I I couldn't drive this thing. I'm just picturing the captain of the steering wheel. It's out of control. (laughs) Just turn around. We have a whole ocean. (laughs) But, yeah, one one of the articles that I read, uh, and I'll have to pull up the, uh, the author of the article, but... Basically, the author compares this to the the Holy Roman Emperor sending those ships being a large dog sniffing a smaller dog at a dog park, which would be the the dolphin from the northern Netherlands. And basically, the the large dog gets too close to the small dog, and the do- little dog has one of those little dog freakouts where it starts snapping at the big dog, and then the, the big dog's like, whoa. That's basically what happened here. Yeah. So the dolphin fired one single shot straight at the Le Louise, and it didn't hurt a single person, but it did hit a soup kettle, which caused the flagship to surrender immediately. (laughs) So this flagship was said to be large enough to easily have taken the dolphin on its own, but with just the one shot destroying a soup kettle that was on the the deck of the ship, there's like, nah, we're done. (laughs) So... That's how easily this was avoided. I and guess. if I remember right, they scrapped the entire design of like the ship to like construct any more. Not only did they surrender in this case, but I'm pretty sure they didn't make any more ships of this design because of really? what happened. That's my understanding <laughs> of it. Uh, that article I mentioned also is from a website called museumhack.com, and it was written by a man named Alex Johnson, so... Shout out to him for that. Nice. I should have mentioned our sources before that the articles I sent these to is the one, as well as the ones that uh, I used. Uh, they were from cracked.com, military.com, and then the third one was businessinsider.com. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? I was reading through them almost like, which one of these sounds the most interesting? Like, yeah. What business insider? What the hell? Right? Business insider. How do you get in here? But anyway, so the flagship surrenders, but the Emperor, on the other hand, was pretty pissed. And he eventually led armies into the Netherlands and occupied a couple forts. But eventually, they both came to the negotiating table, and peace was had. Yep. And now we know that the Netherlands maintained its independence from outside forces, and now is its own country, so... I'm just so curious. Like, what was so special about that soup kettle? Like, was there, like... I just think it was more so the fact that the people on board the Le Louis were just like, I don't know if this is really worth going to a large scale war over. Yeah. So I think they just kind of decided for themselves that they were like, we don't even want to be here in the first place, considering it's just three of us and one other ship. Like, what's the point of being here? And like it was the soup kettle was on like on top, like it wasn't inside the ship, right? No, it was on the deck from what I could read. So so. essentially... They kind of missed, if you think about it. No, I, I maybe I don't know. <laughs> like, don't you think? Like I, if you're trying to hit a ship, like you're going for the actual. Well, because it was ship? a musket shot. It wasn't like a cannon shot. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, you're right. Really? Yeah. I did not know that at all. I was also assuming that was a cannon. I'm pretty sure it was just like a man on board shot a rifle. At... What did they think was going to happen in war? Like, <laughs> they shot at us? <laughs> White flag. They shot my soup. Yeah. That's true. That would be ups- upsetting. Can you if there was some broccoli cheddar in there, I'd be oh, pissed. Then I'd go to war. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of mice, so maybe Ratatouille was on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That one's just so funny to me, just the fact that this huge empire, the Holy Roman Empire, sent three ships to try and take back this blockade that has been up for years at this point. <laughs> they were just like, nah. Like, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. So on to the next war then. <laughs> so this one's my personal favorite. It is the Battle of Karen Sebes. Okay, I don't remember seeing this one. Really? Do you remember seeing this one? Uh, I mean, I'm sure I read it, but I don't recall. Oh man, this is a good one. So this happened in 1788, and oh it- wait. Is this the Turkish one? Yep. Yeah, okay. No, I, I didn't remember the name, but I remember what happens now. Okay. So in 1788, Austria, as well as other European countries, but mostly mostly Austria, was at war with Turkey. Now, the Austrian army, which was 100... Do you remember now? They were shooting at their own people. Is this that yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is This is just brutal. <laughs> so the Austrian army, which was 100,000... 100,000 men strong was marching down to clash with an advancing Turkish army in what is now Romania. Joseph Smith was a prophet. Dum, num, 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 num. <laughs> Joseph Smith was a piece of shit. Was he really? God. Last name Smith. We got a lot of things oh, to say Oh, I was thinking, that. for some reason I was thinking Pocahontas, but I was thinking yeah, John, John Smith. Smith. Yeah. Don't bring him back yeah, into Joseph this. Smith, not great. Big con artist. Not a great guy. Anyway, <laughs> they were marching down the clash with the advancing Turkish army. And their army, like I mentioned, was a mixed bag from multiple nations. So like Germany, Austria, I know like, I believe some French were in there. So we had several nations trying to keep this Turkish army out. And so the Austrians set up camp for one night and some hussars, so essentially scouts on horseback, went out to check the immediate countryside for any armed Turks that were probably doing the same. Instead of finding any Turks, they came across a band of Roma people who apparently had a huge amount of schnapps for sale. Peppermint schnapps? I w- that's, the, what's, that's exactly what I thought at first. They don't clarify on the, sh- on the type of schnapps. So we could be dealing with peach. We could be dealing with peppermint. <laughs> I have a feeling that there wasn't a very distinct flavor one way or no, another. <laughs> this, was, <laughs> this was definitely like home brewed stuff <laughs> well, i feel like alcohol back then was probably way stronger than it is now oh my i feel gosh, like it yeah. was just like straight up given out like here it is this is what it is we can't distill it any like weaker than this right like we can like when mark said 50 percent for baju for that alcohol that's about right and we were like holy cow that's probably like nothing yeah they're probably the like drinking ever clear normally and like well that's what i mean like anything above like 100 proof is basically moonshine to us at this point yeah mm. so so the hussars or the scouts bought a huge amount of schnapps like barrels of the stuff and they promptly began drinking got to i mean you're not gonna buy some schnapps and not drink it so 
Austrian infantrymen were also sent and came across the scouts. Seeing them drinking, they wanted to join the fun. The boozy scouts refused and actually set up makeshift fortifications in order to protect their booze. Here's the disconnect for me. They're they're loosey-goosey enough to, like, get wasted, but uptight enough to not give other people in on the phone? That makes so no... So, this, this would be, like, us drinking for, like, from noon until, like, 9 p.m., and then trying to set up a blanket for it. Like, that's what I imagine this is. No, and in a yes. sense, having served in the military, you, you, you're one of two things. You're either uptight or you're not. These guys are somewhere in the middle. That makes no sense. There's probably that one guy that was, like, got really angry drunk. And yeah. then when he got drunk, then he was just like, guys, we have to fight. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, us in blanket forts, like, shooting each other with Nerf guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, actually, the kind of... shooting ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, to kind of go back, like, why this happened. So... Calvary men were typically the nobles, so like sons of nobles, they were still kind of like that knight mantra. Not exactly like chivalry, but like if you were from a noble house and you were in the army, uh, you were typically on horseback while lower ranking people at the time were those foot soldiers. So that's the main reason why an argument broke out and someone, we don't know which group, got too excited and actually fired a shot at the other group. After this... Essentially, all hell broke loose, and the infantry and scouts were firing wildly at each other. And keep again, keep in mind, same, same army. Side. <laughs> and now the infantry, in a state of confusion, because again, they didn't kind of re- they didn't really know what was happening. Again, different countries, like a mixed army. They began shouting that the Turks were actually attacking them, so the opposing army, and the scouts who even excuse me, the scouts even thought it was. They who were attacking their infantry, so the Turks were attacking their infantry, and they suddenly believed that behind them was a huge Turkish army. In a hurry, the scouts got back on their horses, broke ranks, and rode through the ranks of the infantry and headed back to camp. Now the infantry took this as a sign that the Turks were definitely on their tail and began running back to the same exact camp running away from this imaginary Turkish army. Got to. And now this is where it just gets great. Hor- horrible yeah. for the people involved. <laughs> Defense you ask. <laughs> 240 years later, pretty funny for us. So, guy, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> as like no one's ever talked about this one. This day, and we're like, There's oh, that man. one guy that's super offended about it. My that. great, great, great grandfather's uncle's brother. He was, was... one of the guys that bought the schnapps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he you wouldn't pass up to that. <laughs> <laughs> so the Austrian army, so this infantry and cavalry group, was running back to camp or riding back to camp. When a German-speaking officer, and again, this is an army of hundred different nations started yelling halt halt for all the cavalry and infantry men to stop just like everyone calm down halt halt except the non-german speakers of the scouts and the infantry thought that the officer was screaming allah allah because yeah. keep in mind the turkish army was that of like an islamic faith and that was kind of their essentially their battle cry going into battle so do you guys both took German classes. Do you know what the word for halt is in German? Just stop. I took Spanish. Stop. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because I was I wanted to know because I didn't know if it was close to Allah. Wait, so no. ger- German and like halt in 
German is just stop. Stop. Yeah. It's not even close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll verify right now while you guys stop, keep talking. Stop. Stop. I'll, uh, I don't, I don't see it. I don't hear it. Yep. And, well, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're just like in a panic and you're hammered, uh-huh. maybe, but. So this frantic group of soldiers finally actually arrives back at the main camp. However, an artillery officer that was stationed up a little bit higher above the camp saw all this Russian commotion and decided to, excuse me, and reasoned that the charging, shouting men must be a Turkish attack and ordered artillery fire onto the camp, onto his own men. Essentially, not a single like member of the Turkish army in miles. <laughs> and he orders an artillery strike and bombards the entire camp. So the entire camp woke up in a frenzy to the sound of essentially an entire battle taking place. And essentially they all run away with chicken, like chickens with their heads cut off, like all running in different directions. They're all taking random shots at essentially anything that's moving, trying to get in all different directions. Like there wasn't an organized retreat. Like one group went north, south, east, west, all that. And to top it all off, the leader of the whole operation, which was the Holy Roman Emperor at the time. That's another thing that we're seeing here. It's either the yeah. British or the Holy Roman <laughs> Emperor. The Holy Roman Emperor, Joseph II, got knocked off this his is the horse. the guy from the Kettle War. <laughs> you serious? Is it actually? Well, I mean, yeah, it's only five years after, four years <laughs> after. Joseph II was part of both of these. He was. What a fucking idiot. Oh, my gosh. We do, do we have another John White situation on our hands? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Well, he got knocked off his horse in this case and landed in a stream. Oh. And yeah, I'm just picturing that, that stream being, like, full of mud, like out of a cartoon. This reminds me of the guy that had the spirit destiny that died. That died. in a stream. That was Frederick Barbarossa. Uh, he dropped the spear and then just kind of died. Barbosa? Barbosa. <laughs> <laughs> Listening back to that, you were probably like, can't believe no one made a Barbosa joke. I, yeah, I definitely was thinking it in my head. Did you find what the word is? Well, I just want to share it. I... Spelled it correctly. It was just H A L T. Yeah, yeah. It stopped. Yeah, I don't know how they mistook that then. But anyway, the Turks who arrived at the scene two entire days later. Stop! Stop! Shoot! Shoot! <laughs> <laughs> they all had like their ears cut off, like Jenkins. Oh, you, you would think if the whole camp woke up and started running in different directions, if they're not running into anyone on the outskirts of the camp. Wouldn't you know, like, okay, there's nobody here. like Right. But I guess, I don't know. But anyway, two days later, the Turks came, the Turkish army came, and they found almost 10,000 dead and wounded Austrians. And apparently, the Austrians, in all the chaos, lost the war chest that contained the entire army's payroll. <laughs> oh, my. And several, of, several members of the army... I believe their officers were missing as well. Oh man, that's embarrassing. So this is just the most like I love this so much. Can we say that Joseph II was the verified worst Holy Roman Emperor? Then? Um, I don't have a full list of I'm just all them, say but it. I think that's our leading candidate. Yeah, I'm gonna claim it. One of these days, we'll do a power list. That'll be our next group <laughs> topic: power rankings of the Holy Roman Emperors, <laughs> our Mount Rushmore of like the yeah Holy right. Roman Emperors. But anyway, that was the result of the Battle of Karantsebes, essentially a drunken brawl that ended in the death of close to 10,000 Austrian soldiers. Fun stuff. 
<laughs> and we still got more to go. Oh, yeah. So next up, we have what's known as the Pastry War, which Jacob alluded to a little bit earlier. So after his Mexico City pastry shop was destroyed by a mob in 1828. Shame. That is a shame. I want some donuts or churros. Yeah, I mean, who's got beef with pastry shops? Really? I mean, if they'd have been like, guys, pastry shop gets looted. Like, okay, they wanted some pastry. That makes sense. But destroying, what good, what good is that, dude? I'm just picturing, like, you, you guys have both watched Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. I'm just picturing the cabbage the guy. Cabbage guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's so what sad. What a poor character. Uh. And, like, so it was a French chef named Ray Montel. So I'm just picturing stuff like my cabbages. I'm thinking of like my crepes. <laughs> <laughs> so a the French cabbage chef. guy is one of the most sympathetic characters in TV, though. Like just oh, trying 100%. to run a business. That's probably not very lucrative to begin with. No, <laughs> that, that's no way to make a living. Just selling cabbages off of a cart. Not not cooled. <laughs> yeah, they're just in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> what? But if you've ever seen Legend of Korra. He actually develops that into like a monopoly, and it's like Cabbage Corp. It's one of the biggest. Uh, All right, that's like bull companies. crap. That is bull crap. Whoa, dude. whoa, whoa, whoa! That's the thing that we have a problem. Yeah, with. I want everything in it that's not realistic. Not I, people like Earth, Wind, Fire, like no, no, no. Fire the guy it. having a cabbage monopoly really yeah. sets me Dumb. up. Anywho, <laughs> a French chef named Ray Montel asked the Mexican government after his pastry shop was destroyed by a mob. To pay damages, which the Mexican government refused. So, Ray Montel went to the French government for help instead. But essentially, it went on deaf ears. The French government was going to do anything. You'd think the French would be more sympathetic to pastry. Especially crepes. Yeah. Surprisingly not. If Talladega Nights taught me anything. I was going to say the (laughs) Talladega Nights thing, yeah. It's like, say... I love crepes, or else I break your arm. <laughs> he doesn't Never. do it, though. Credit to him, he doesn't do it. <laughs> so, ten years later, the incident somehow gets the attention of King Louis Philip, who demanded that the Mexicans pay Ray Montel, including a whopping 90% interest rate. That's and, deep. A little bit. And when they refused, the French blockaded Mexico and occupied the city of Veracruz. And now kind of like the really sad part about this thing and back to the cabbages guy. The pastry war had like no one cared about the pastries or the shop. Yeah. Except like (laughs) Like, he didn't get any compensation for it. He did not get a single dime for his pastry shop. The French essentially just wanted the money for the pastry shop. Right. Again, with that huge interest fee over 10 years. And essentially, uh, Mexican General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana came out of retirement to fight the French, but he couldn't get past their lines. So the French stayed until Mexico agreed to pay. So essentially, that was the end of that. But about three decades later, in 1861, the French actually came back for more to invade Mexico. But then, that is when the French Empire fell apart, and everyone finally forgot about Ray Montel and his pastry shop for good, Tried until three guys in a basement decided to talk The true victim. Yeah. Sad. My crepes. <laughs> <laughs> There's just like a secret war where like 
Jenkins, the ear guy, and then the bakery guy, like this squad up and start their own war. It's like for injustice. <laughs> it's like the A team, but like, with those guys. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Next up, we have the Opium Wars of the 1830s. This one's just pretty bad. This one yeah. is very, very bad. <laughs> Again, the British. So. If you guys aren't really familiar with kind of, you know, how products work, like once you have a product, you need a market to sell it to, essentially. And in this case... Come on, the, I learned all this in the Grand Exchange. You don't have to explain it. RuneScape. Yeah. RuneScape. Yes. Can you imagine, like, just the barding that went down there, just trying to read all those messages above, oh, above people's avatars. I miss the days when the the Grand Exchange didn't exist, and it was just a giant like flood of people. Like the price of something was literally set by the current demand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, got scammed so many times. Yeah. Give me all your money, and I'll double it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what idiots! It's like I'll buy your rune smitty for like. Or skimmy for, like, 20 gold. Like, I don't know. Sure, take it. Why not? Sure, take it. <laughs> Do me a huge favor. Took I'll trade you a black battle axe for it. <laughs> oh, I think I actually did get scammed for a black battle axe. Anyway, back to the opium wars. So, essentially why I brought that up is because... Hold on. Why okay. did I bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking about? Where are we? <clears throat> you take too much opium. Yeah. So in the late 1830s, Britain needed Chinese tea, silks, and other products. Except the only problem is that the Chinese didn't really need any British goods that they had. So there's kind of a trade disparity, a trade imbalance. So to... is it just me, or is that still going on? Right. Actually, <laughs> get something good. So to fix that, British created a need in China: opium. Not a great... This is terrible, really. Yeah. So, essentially, more and more Chinese people were smoking British opium as a recreational drug, but for a majority of people that partook, it started to become a punishing addiction, with many people who stopped ingesting opium suffering chills, nausea, cramps, and actually died from the withdrawals. And once addicted, people would often do essentially anything to continue to get access to the drug. The Chinese government recognized that opium was becoming a serious social problem and in the year 1800 banned both the production and the importation of opium. In 1813, it went a step further by outlawing the smoking of opium and imposing a punishment of beating offenders a hundred times. It's crazy to think that things like opium were just allowed to be brought in and sold at like a marketplace like before that's just insane again everything goes back to the cabbage guy just imagine a card of opium yeah my opium (laughs) except that case would be good yeah that would be good at the time china's just like minding its own business and bridge's like we need your stuff you don't need us here's opium like (laughs) that just sucks dude yeah it's pretty sad so from 1810 to 1838 Opium imports to China increased from 4,500 chests. And from, by chests, I mean, like, pretty big containers. They just call them chests because they didn't have a different name for it. Anyway, I digress. So it went from 4,500 chests to 40,000 chests. 
Jeez. As the Chinese consumed more and more imported opium, the outflow of silver to pay for it increased for about from about 2 million ounces in the early 1820s to over 9 million ounces a decade later. In 1831, the Chinese emperor, who was already super angry about this, uh, who at the opium traders, so British opium traders, who were breaking the law and increasing the addiction and the smuggling, actually discovered that the members of his army and the government, including like students, were engaged in smoking opium, and he was pissed. Is opium an upper or a downer as far as drugs go? Do either of you know? I do not know. I believe that might be something we need to look up. Yeah. Excuse me. But I remember doing research on it. Keepers. Doing research on it. Every single picture with people with opium pipes. Okay. I assume I. Yeah, I assume it's a downer, but I don't know if this is just party time in China. Me neither. So I have no idea. It is a depressant. Okay. So not party times in China. Sleepy, sleepy times in China. So in response to essentially their entire, well, not entire, I shouldn't shouldn't say entire population. In response to their population being exposed to opium, China began to use military force to enforce drug laws, stop British smugglers, and to keep the Chinese people from getting addicted to opium and prevent its currency from essentially folding because of what was happening. Because there was so much money going to yeah. opium. So the British actually sent in the Royal Navy to enforce, and I quote, free trade principles on China. The Royal Navy began trading, or excuse me, the Royal Navy began sieging and bombarding multiple forts. And eventually led to the signing of the Treaty of Nanjing, which Chinese officials were forced to sign at gunpoint. And this meant accepting 7,000 annual tons of opium, as well as opening five British ports, and the Chinese had to give up on. This was the worst trade deal. Yeah. That's, oh, I, well, that's, yes. that's a big old yikes. <sighs> that is just so bad. And to give a comparison, like you meant, like I mentioned how in 18, yeah, excuse me, 1838, the amount of chests was at 40,000. In 1879, there was an importation of 87,000 chests of opium into China. That's just so bad. And the moral of the story, which I actually thought kind of interesting, present-day Chinese historians see the opium wars as a wars of aggression that led to the hard lesson that, and if I, and I quote, if you are backward, you will take a beating. And these lessons shaped the rationale for the Chinese revolution against imperialism and feudalism, and when it succeeded, Kind of led to communism. Yeah. Yeah, the British screwed everything up. Right. What else is new? Yeah, true. <laughs> it's great, like, listening, because it's a super hot topic. Again, like, we, I follow so many history accounts now. Most of them actually kind of British. They talk about imperialism and colonialism and just kind of talk about, like, the not cool things that the British Empire oh, yeah. did. 
the Brit- uh, across the world, which the royalty has been in the news a lot lately with Ooh, the yeah. whole Meghan Markle coming on the Oprah show and doing that interview with. Yeah, so all that's coming out too. Yeah, it, it does make you wonder though what China could have been had things like this not have taken place. Because I was saying how China is uh, not very friendly to their people. Let's put it that way. I mean, you can't like talk bad about the Chinese government over in China without like disappearing and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty bad. What could have been? Who knows? That's the British, dude. <laughs> and then that was actually just the first opium war. We're not going to get into the second one, but the second one actually featured the British and the French. But- well, a sprinkle of a teaser for my next topic. It's going back to China. So won't tell you what, but that's your, what you're going to get. It's just a plot synopsis for Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh, our guest uh, host next week is Jack Platt. <laughs> Can you imagine? Huge fan of the show. Awesome. Should we make, we should make a list of our like dream podcast guests. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. And then I'll just keep on tweeting at them constantly. Okay, come on the Gems of History <laughs> podcast at Twitter. They get and us Instagram. canceled because we're bugging them so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get blocked by Chad Black. <laughs> All right. On to the next one. So we're now going to the 1840s. And guess who the culprit in this one is? The British. The British. So this is the Flagstaff War. Oh, yeah. I think I remember this yeah, one. Yeah, this one's pretty pretty funny. This Just a- petty. This one's petty. Oh, this it's so funny, petty. though. So in 1840s, uh, Britain was occupying New Zealand. They conquered New Zealand. And this event specifically took place in the town of... Milwaukee. Cor- <laughs> of Cora... Ooh, man. Cora <laughs> You can do right. it. One I'm pretty time. sure you were right. Kororareka. It's like Kororareka. Thank you. Something like that. Which, thank you. from my source, yeah, thank, thank, thank you very much. From my source, uh, the <laughs> description of the town, it was, and I quote, it was a place of brothels, grog holes, and gambling dens. My favorite. And essentially kind of like, you know how we brought up Pirates of the Caribbean quite a bit today. I don't, it, well, it's a time period for pirates. It's exactly Tortuga. how I pictured Tortuga, yes. That was, yeah. Big like place. Tortuga. But the British, essentially, they were in this town, and they hosted the Union Jack, which was their flag, figuring that no one would mind because, duh, who doesn't love the British flag? <laughs> I, 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 Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so when they did this, this is where we get introduced to our man, Hone Heki was a chief of the natives in the local area and he promptly rode into town and chopped down the flagpole this dude's a legend he really is so what followed was a display of splendid idiocy the british there actually after hecky chopped down the first one put up another flagpole hecky came back in cut it down they put up a third flagpole. Hecky came in. These goddamn and, white people. And cut it down. Flagpole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're blocking my view of the clouds. <laughs> so he cut it down a third time. A fourth was erected and was reinforced with iron and had an armed guard around it at all times. 
one guard? Apparently. <laughs> it's just so pathetic. It's I mean it's just a flagpole, so I get now, I wouldn't commit too much force. Why does men if they know that these guys are gonna come and cut it down? <laughs> you'd I mean. think they'd know after the second time, but yeah. they'll still took them another one. Yeah. Now back in a lovely old London town, the House of Commons declared that Hecky and his people had no right to chop down their flagpoles and declared that lessons needed to be taught to the natives around the area. Mm-hmm. Now missionaries carried this information to Hecky who was not thrilled about this. So on March 11, 1845, Hecky and his tribe descended into the town and proceeded to slay the British army that was there. That was literally, what year was it? 1845. That was, I'm not going to do the math, but like 180 years ago yesterday. Something like, like close to 180 oh, yeah, years wow. ago yesterday. Crazy. Happy anniversary of that. Good job to this guy. <laughs> and as a, <laughs> I love this part so much. So after uh, Hecky and his tribe ran in, slaughtered the British there, as a final big ol' FU, he cut down the flagpole again. Legend. So, however, at the end of this all, the war dragged on for 10 months, and the British eventually did squash. Hecky's Rebellion, but honestly, if we're, te- if we're keeping like score, I give the uh, win to Hecky and his oh, tribe. Yeah, yeah I, I concur. I mean, you have a whole nation army against this one tribe, and you're still losing. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that's a win. So next up, we have the Pig War. Now, right. Jacob, I'm going to let you take yeah, this Yeah, I'll one. take this one for her. So the Pig War happened in... The United States slash Canada, right in between on the border. So there was a border dispute because there was a written treaty that claimed stakes of land to either side, the British and the American side. And they the way it was worded, it said that there was a uh, strait that divided the land that was the dividing line between wh- who owned what. The problem was that the strait split and in that split were a set of islands in between. So the two straits that it split into were the Harrow Strait and the Rosario Strait. So when it split, no one knew who owned the islands in between. So the British were like, well, this is ours. So we're going to set up there. So a company called the Hudson's Bay company set up salmon curing stations and kind of took their stake there. And then the U.S. was like, we're going to just move some people here and then claim it as part of the new Washington Territory. So that happened in 1853. They sent, I think it was 18 people that resided on on the islands. So to counter that, the Hudson's Bay Company then set up some sheep farms on the island. And so they had like thousands of sheep because this land was so rich and the grass and the environment here was so good for a sheep farm that it thrived so much. And so when this happened, the U.S. started to send more people there. And then the British were like, well, you guys are trespassing. You're basically like squatting on our land. This is ours now. Like we have set up things here. 
So everything kind of came to a head when a man named Lyman Cutler had a pig rustling around in his, his flower beds and decided to shoot and kill this pig. And this pig belonged to that Hudson's Bay Company. So British weren't happy with this. They decided, we're going to arrest you and all of your friends that live here from the American colonies and evict you all from this island because you're trespassing. Can I interject real quick? Yeah. I love this quote in uh, the research I did. So I'll get to the quote, but first off, like Cutler offered $10 to replace that pig. But the guy that whose pig it was demanded $100. And Cutler defended himself by claiming that the pig shouldn't have been on his land eating his potatoes. But uh, Griffin, who was the guy that who blo- or who owned the pig, replied with, and I quote, it's up to you to keep your potatoes out of my pig. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where this war began, was with the, sh- the victim being this pig. So he shot the pig on June 15th, 1859. And promptly after that, the Americans decided to send some troops up there because they had heard that the British were trying to evict their people from this island. Can I get a quick trivia question for you guys? Yeah, go for it. There's no A, B, C, or D, but guess who was the captain that was sent up there to lead the troops? Uh, I have a good guess. I already know. I'll give oh, you yeah, a hint. I was going to say we both know. I we, we read, so. Oh, duh, yeah. So just go ahead and tell the Listeners, audience. we'll leave a pause. You guys yeah. can guess. Dun, 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 Actually, dun, dun, you talked about him in a previous dun, dun, episode, dun, didn't you? Dun, dun. Episode three. So it was Captain George Pickett, yes, famous sir. from Pickett's Charge. Look at all all our episodes seem to tie yeah, together yeah. in some way. And like we don't try to do no, that. not at <laughs> That's all. The crazy thing. So yeah, Pickett was sent to the island and uh, by a anti-British commander in the American forces named William Harney. So he was sent up there with sixty-four men, just north of that sheep farm that was set up. And the British found out about this and responded by sending Captain Jeffrey Phipps Hornby and a 31-gun steam frigate. And they sent him up there to basically shoo them out of the land and continue claiming this as their own. They, they did get told, however, that they were to avoid armed conflict if possible. So they didn't want this to come to actual fighting. They wanted to keep it as more of a like show of force to get them off of this island. And so they started with that one ship, and then later two more ships came. So they were trying to pretty much flex their muscle and be like, we've got more people and more ships to send. So if you guys want to stay here, you're going to end up getting hurt for it. You're going to get a noogie. Exactly. So Pickett was like, I ain't fucking leaving. <laughs> and he stayed there. And he sent back word to ask for more men. So both sides are constantly growing their forces, trying to outdo the other and set up camps to, well, we were, the picket was trying to set up a camp on land and they were trying to enforce their naval prowess on the British side. So Hornby was building these, warship forces and he was kind of waiting for uh, a man named R. Lambert Baines who was a rear admiral in the British Navy 
to come help him out. And Baines, when he heard about this, was like, you guys are all idiots. Like, I'm not going to come over there and pursue this that could start an international conflict over a pig. Pretty much an exact quote from him. So he thought it was stupid and didn't send any reinforcements on his end. So by August 31st, there were 461 Americans with 14 cannons, and they had taken eight 32-pounder naval cannons off some ships and set them up on the edge of the island on the coast to basically set themselves up if they had to fight. And the British, they drilled... By shooting shells into the bluffs. That was their way of training. (laughs) And I I thought it was funny in the article that I read. It was from a a National Park Service's website. But they were like, this excited all the tourists that were there. (laughs) Like, just seeing Navy ships shooting into walls. Can you imagine, like, none of the ships actually hit? (laughs) They all miss. Like, oh, man. (laughs) So, yeah. You can't hit a broadside of a continent. (laughs) Literally. So the British are shooting at walls, and the funny part about this whole time period is that officers from both sides would go to one of the ships to attend church services and, like, smoke cigars and drink whiskey. So this whole time, they're intermingling with each other, basically, and having, like, drinks and hanging out. But the whole time, everyone's like, this is ours, not yours. Just remember that at the end of the day. So eventually... President James Buchanan got word of what was going on and said, this can't happen. We can't go to war over this. So he sent General Winfield or General Winfield Scott to calm the situation. And this this guy had a previous experience with border conflicts and had settled down two previously. So he was like, you're my diffusion guy. Go settle this down. We can't have a big war break out over a pig. So Scott goes up there and pretty much convinces both sides to disarm for the most part. And the Americans can keep one company of U.S. troops there. And the British can keep one warship in one of the, the, the bays on the island. And both sides agreed. They were like, okay, that's fine. We'll just have a co-armament, a small armament at that, and just coexist here. And that happened for a while. And in this time, Hornby, the original commander or captain for the British Navy, who had started arming to fight against Pickett, he got scolded. (laughs) They were like, (laughs) why did you escalate this more than it had to be? It was literally a fight over one shot animal. And so he got pretty much reamed out by his superiors for this pigs are very hot in today's episode (laughs) like my trivia question actually pigs are getting hung pigs are getting shot what's going on here so hornby got in trouble and there's 12 years of that co-occupation and then eventually they signed a treat a new treaty and sent to kaiser wilhelm the first in germany and said hey can you help us to figure out this dispute and finally give us a settlement on what side owns what. So he got a three-man council, and they deliberated for almost a year on this topic to figure out who, which side should get what. And eventually, they 
did give it to the American side and it became part of their territory. USA. 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 <laughs> so they eventually became part of US territory and after that the conflict was ceased to exist. So moral of the story, the Americans won and there was only the victim was a pig. Wow. One life is too many. <laughs> <laughs> no amount of bacon justifies. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy. Like that could have been because we probably weren't on great terms with the British probably for that entire decade. Like yeah. 1776. Then the war of 1812. It's like, we could have potentially had another yeah, one of exactly. those types of it's, wars. It's pretty scary because general Scott, the man who went to defuse it, he was a veteran of the war of 1812. So he really? had like experience with the, all of this garbage that had been going on. And he was like, we cannot have another one of these. Yeah. Like, Oh man. But anyway, so that was the pig war. So now we only have two left. The next one is the War of the Golden Stool. I I, I love, love this, this one. one. <laughs> this this one was so enjoyable to read, and also how arrogant the British were. <laughs> yeah, and spoilers, the British. Yeah. <laughs> There's a quote that I really loved when I was reading about this one. It's just like he just wanted to sit his ass on that stool. Yep. <laughs> so the War of the Golden Stool took place in 1900. It was crazy. Like, that was 120 years ago, and, like, stuff like this was still happening. I guess, like, obviously, modern day, we still have kind of, like, petty things happening, but we're not going to get that. But, like, stool a as stool. in an actual seat, not, like, like poop. stool sample. Yeah. <laughs> I love that would be clarified. Well, you yeah. Never know. <laughs> then again, the hey. dude who caused all this was a pretty poopy guy. Hey, whoa, yo, whoa, whoa, zinger! Whoa, whoa. Mark in the house. Mark in the <laughs> house. So the war of the golden stool. Uh, it was an actual golden stool. It belonged to the Ashanti Empire, which was the an African state on the Gold Coast. So essentially, there were gold mines there, and they created a golden stool. And this golden stool was sacred and believed to house not only the authority of the chief of the Ashanti, but also the spirit of the nation, as well as the souls of the living, dead, and yet to be born. It's a lot. Talk about a seed of power. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, anyway. This this is what happened. The listeners ask for longer episodes. This is what happens when you give us a mic for an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it does. It is good to hear that because it gives you some context of just how disrespectful this dude was about. Oh, yeah. So in 1896, the Ashanti king was exiled, leaving the Ashanti people without a chief. However, the British governor of the Gold Coast, Sir Frederick Hodgson, was there to help in the way that the British Empire... Always is happy to do. In March 1900, Hodgson, a lot of these events happen in March. That is kind of crazy. Actually, kind of nuts. This is a wild March Madness, buddy. <laughs> in March 1900, Hodgson entered the Ashanti capital and said that the Ashanti lands were under the rule of the queen and that they had better fetch him the sacred stool. It's funny how he can just do that and just say that. It's like, these are ours now. Yeah. I feel like white people in general have a big history of just doing things like that. 
Oh, there's definitely no doubt about that. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. Yeah. A lot of historical accuracy to that one. It's like, hey, that's a thing that doesn't belong to us. This is ours now. Yeah, definitely. Not great. No, not not a good look. Not a good look. No. But, I mean, for a culture, like, if they say, like, something is that sacred to them, you have, you can't just go in there and be like, no, it's not. Like, to those people, it's a very important thing. That, that goes back to, like, the spirit of destiny kind of thing. Like, if people believe that it's that important, then it is. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. It's also on top of that the illusion of power that people have like this white dude's part like like the british were the biggest military or whatever at the time and the biggest navy or whatever mm-hmm. this illusion of like i have the backing of the whole british military behind me i can do whatever i want just the arrogance it's just a level of arrogance that is unfathomable oh it's, it's like disgusting. that one school bully who knows he has like his tough guys yeah. backing him up yep, that yep. he can just do whatever he wants yeah and, like, you can't even say that he didn't know what the stool meant because he was the governor of that area. Like, he was essentially their neighbor. Well, no, I think he... I and mean, so, like, he knew exactly the, what he was doing. No, that's what I mean. I don't think he would have asked for them to fetch him this stool if he thought it was nothing. I yeah. mean, I think that added to just how disgusting of a person he probably was, but... So, I don't think I mentioned it, but essentially he wanted to sit on the stool because yeah. he thought it was, like, essentially a throne. So, like, he wanted to sit on it be like, I claim this land for the British and then put his cheeks on it. Which would have made it funnier if it was doo-doo. If he's he like, just I want to oh, sit so on this No, no. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, somehow he gets his hand on this bad boy? He's about to sit, and then one of the Ashanti people just, like, take it out from underneath him, and he just drops <laughs> the floor. They tabletop like him over the back yeah. of it. Like... And, and the British were immediately driven out. <laughs> They oh. tabletop. Well, that's all it took to like dismantle the entire British. It's just the tabletop the one British guy. Empire, yeah. So after Hodgson said this, the locals that were there were essentially silent, like they were stunned that this foreigner wanted to do this. Um, and when Hodgson finished his speech, they went home. The Shanti people went home and rustled up as many weapons as they could find which started the War of the Golden Stool. So after not hearing back for a while, the British sent some men out to look for the stool and were surprised to find themselves under a vicious attack by a force led by Yah Asentewa, which was the mother of the exiled king. What a badass woman. Dude, first and foremost, Yah's queen, because International Women's Month. Yeah, on the heels of International Women's Day or whatever it was. Or excuse me, Day, I'm sorry. International Women's Day, uh... Monday or Sunday, whenever that was. So the British column was nearly annihilated, and a few survivors actually managed to get back to their camp at Kumasi and barricade themselves in their small fort on March 28, 1900. Ya Asentewa laid siege to them for the next three and a half months with a force of 12,000 men. You go, girl. Hell yeah. So the British eventually did bring in several thousand men, under the command of Major James Wilcox, and they brought a lot of artillery with them. The British eventually did break out of the siege on July 14th, 1900, and they were trapped for three months and had literally run out of all food and ammunition. Got them. Yeah, one of the, I think it was probably the article you sent, but they were like, they ran out of food and they had soiled all their trousers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I believe that quote was on the crack.com yeah. reference. But yeah. They were I mean, if I got chased back into a city by a, my tribe that was that mad, I'd probably soil myself too. Yeah, that'd too. be terrifying. We're talking 12,000. Yeah. They didn't have a chance considering like the fourth place spot was there. That's terrifying. In a good way. Yes. So, in retaliation to Ashanti's uh, rebellion, Wilcox spent the remainder of the summer uh, taking out revenge by butchering local villages, raising towns, and stealing land. Not a good look. Nope. The British. So the Ashanti essentially lost on the battlefield. And multiple casualties, of course. But again, in my opinion, they still won because no British ass ever set a single <laughs> on their stool. There you go. Hell yeah. So we have one more, and it's the War of the Stray Dog. All right, I don't like this one. Just uh, putting it out. There. I, I didn't like... read about this one, so oh, you didn't. Okay, yeah, I don't. Uh, this one's uh pretty tough. A little uh, where the red fern grows kind of vibe on this one. Anything dog related is just sad already. If it's not gonna right. be like a happy adoption story, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't tell me. If this dog doesn't get adopted, I swear. If this doesn't get all the ear scratches, I'm going to be mad. Oof, all the boops. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so the War of the Stray Dog. It happened in 1925, so less than 100 years ago. It was a war that sounds exactly you know, what it sounds like. Except this one actually saw 20,000 Greeks meet 10,000 Bulgarians on a battlefield. So essentially a dog got away from a Greek soldier... And naturally, the soldier chased after the dog. And even though the dog ran across the Greek border with Bulgaria, the soldier kept on running to get his dog. Bulgarian border guards, seeing a Greek soldier charging in their territory, shot him. Yikes. This caused the Greeks to immediately begin an invasion of Bulgaria and occupied border towns and were about ready to shell the crap off of the city of Petrich before the League of Nations intervened and negotiated a ceasefire. Can you imagine if this happened before World War One, before like the League of Nations and all that got established? This probably would have been the start of World War One. Probably I. would have been another one, because again, those alliances were yeah. still all there, intact. So let the dude get the dog, man. Just let him get right. the dog, and we'll be fine. I, I don't even want to picture, like, I don't even know if we want to bring up the podcast, never mind. Just like, Guy gets shot and then the dog turns around. Aww. That's so sad. Too much. Too sad. That, that reminds me of, uh, I think it's Hachiko. Do you know what that is? Hachiko. I believe I've heard of it. Uh, it was a Japanese Akita. And when his owner died, he walked like from the train station to the yep. grave every day and Aww. like sat on the gravestone That's for sad. like years. Yeah. It's sad. We don't deserve dogs. No, no, No. they're phenomenal creatures. We absolutely do not. Yeah. But anyway, ladies and germs, that was our list of the most wackiest wars and battles in history. It's pretty wacky. It's not not great for most of them. No, most of them were not a good look for most of the people involved. No. It shows how petty the human race as a whole is. Yeah, completely agree. However, do we want to go through 
our top four here. I'm sure. just probably going to say like my favorite or maybe my top two, but you can say as many as you want that you think were mm-hmm. pretty good. And again, with these top four, you can vote on them. We'll put a poll. We'll put a Twitter poll up, and you can vote on which ones you thought were kind of... War. Were they war? Yeah. <laughs> which ones you thought were... They'll go to war on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Just which ones you thought were kind of the craziest, so be on the lookout for that on our social medias. So do you want me to go through the list of them, and then we can yeah. maybe rank them? that'd be good. So I'm going to go in chronological order again. We have The War of the Oaken Bucket. We have The War of Jenkins' Ear. We have The Kettle War. The Battle of Karnsebus. The Pastry War. The Opium Wars. The Flagstaff War. The Pig War. The War of the Golden Stool. And then finally... The War of the Stray Dog. All right, so I think my top four, in no particular order, are the Kettle War, the Pig War, the Flagstaff War, and the Golden Stool. I think those are probably my top four. Wow, that really takes the air out of my sails. Why? Well, you I, probably would have, own. I probably would have said the same thing. But I would say, even if those four are my are in my my favorite, also my favorite of all of them probably would be the golden stool, just because they never let them sit on it, yeah. and that just feels so good. Yeah. Um, so I think and the, the fact stool that it was my... like an elderly mother like yeah, leading this leader, charge yeah. that <laughs> is just so just, awesome. Yeah, that's so. I think the golden stool is my favorite of all of them, but I would agree with you; those are probably my top four favorites, all in all. I think the only one that I would interject. The Battle of Karen Sebes is for me, because I agree with your list. I would just oh, switch out. Yeah. I would maybe switch out. Oh, gosh, that's a solid list. Who are you going to leave out? Maybe yeah, the flag staff? I don't know. But How are you going to insult me today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. You can't, you can't leave out the soup kettle. You yeah, can't. There's no it, wrong answer. Yeah. Really, My but... cream of broccoli. <laughs> That's just the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not now I'm no getting the soup mode. <laughs> um, I would, in my opinion, take out the Flagstaff War for the Battle of Karen Sevens. Okay. Just because a drunken brawl turning into the misfortunes of oh, an entire it's army. A great, yeah, and keep in mind, they had to just pack up their bags and retreat. Yeah. And yeah. get out of there. No shame. Just because yeah. some cavalry men. Got too drunk and got into an argument. Ugh, that's a nuts. That's a nuts war. So, at least, so we at least have the pig, the kettle, and the uh, golden stool for sure. Yep. So, you're in charge of the media, so we'll let you choose the last <laughs> one. <laughs> war, what is it good for? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But anyway. Since I think you two agree on your four, we're going to go with the Kettle War, the Pig War, the Flagstaff War, and the War of the Golden Stool. You can check out our poll on Twitter and Instagram at the Gems of History. Sweet. But yeah, that concludes our episode of the just why did we go to war <laughs> group episode. That, that concludes our episode on why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. 
But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I thought it was just very entertaining. Yeah, interesting yeah. to interesting, say the least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had all the emotions. It had interesting, it had funny, it had sad, it yeah. had a little bit of everything. So it just goes to show you how that throughout history, humans have always been kind of stupid sometimes. Stupid, stubborn. Stubborn for sure. Stubborn for sure. And money hungry. We can say that much. Yes. For sure. No need for aliens in this episode when we can just destroy ourselves. <laughs> the aliens are like, I'm out, dude. Man, no way. Yeah. An hour 36 and five seconds when we <laughs> mentioned aliens. Yeah. yeah. We made it this far. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with my topic, which I gave a little teaser that we're going back to China. So hope you guys look forward to that one. Yeah, I can't wait. But until next time, follow us on our social medias that Evan mentioned. You can email us at gemsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com if you want to send any personal stories, tips, tricks, tutorials on how to podcast, anything like that. <laughs> but Memes, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> send us literally anything. Yeah. Dude, care. pictures of your dog, like, that'd be sick. Ooh, yeah, tweet at us and send us pictures of your, your pets. That would be cool. We love yes. animals. So until next time. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you have a good week. Yeah, appreciate you all. Take care. See you, everyone. Later.